This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. I don't know if you're aware of this, but most people are unable to lick their own elbow. Are you aware of that? Most people can't do it, cannot touch their tongue to their own elbow. Surprisingly, it's about the same number of people that are unable to think for themselves. Pretty scary when you think about it. I know you know what I'm talking about because you probably just tried to lick your elbow, didn't you? Unless maybe you're driving. I know you tried, and now you're kind of laughing, right? Yeah, you, you fell for that one. I don't know. Maybe you've got very short arms or a very long tongue. Either way, I'd say you got a big problem on your hands. <laughs> but... Survey says that you are able to think for yourself, <laughs> whether you're able to lick it or not, I suppose. Why do I bring this trivial matter up? Well, perhaps you've heard another story growing up, and that's the story of a guy named Christopher Columbus. We don't really celebrate that much anymore. We, we prefer to uh, look into this uh, affair of indigenous people, they say. I don't know how far it goes back. You know, they say the American Indians are the indigenous people here. Really? I mean, I thought that all of humanity originated in, like, Africa or something or Iraq or something like that and spread out from there. So who's really indigenous at this point? Nobody, really. Somebody, were they Spanish descent or African descent? The American Indians. I think there's also some theory that they came across the Pacific. So, you know, whose land? And then there's like this theory that it was all joined together. But either way, either way, what is the story that you're told about Christopher Columbus? What are you told? Do you remember? Why did he sail to America? Well, because he wanted to prove that the earth was round, which is a convenient story for grade school children, probably made up by some creative uh you know, elementary teacher who was just trying to be kind of witty and creating something memorable for his audience or her audience, such as it's impossible to lick your own elbow. You see, you see, if I tell you what appears to be the true story, we don't really know because it was a long time ago. It's not like there's great documents and we can't really ask Mr. Columbus himself, as you know, so it kind of leaves us to ponder. But every indication is that the truth of the matter is that he was seeking trade and wanted a government to sponsor his uh, his trade endeavors. And the fact of the matter was that the French and the English didn't didn't see the, the gain in it, didn't see enough money to be made, hmm? didn't see enough value in it. And so, in the end, capitalism wins every time, right? Somebody did put the money to it, and he went on to uh, found this incredible land, which Spain got pretty much nothing out of. Maybe not nothing, I don't know. Despite uh, all the evidence, by the way, there's still people that believe that there's a flat earth. And some probably did back then. But the idea that it was broadly assumed that the earth was flat was never the case. And there's no evidence to support that. It's just another theory. Why would you assume that anybody looking up at the moon, it's clearly round and say, what do you think the moon's a disc? You think these are all floating discs like flying saucers? It's an interesting theory. It really, I don't know, the whole... You know, rotation and spin and gravity and tides. I mean, it just kind of makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. 
at least not today. It all seems sensible to me. The flat earth theory, not so much, but you still have a few people that go along with it. But at the end of the day, Darwinistic uh, survival of the fittest, capitalism, it's all the same. It wins. I was listening to a, a radio show, and I don't know, I was flipping through the channels, and I don't know if it was a sports show or not, but they were talking about the Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers, a hockey team. And they're talking about the fighting, and there's you know still fighting that goes on. They don't do the, the big brawls the way it was back in the day, uh, but there's still fights that goes on. I always kind of wondered myself, how is it allowed to go on? You know, it's, it's assault taking place on TV. I don't think it's a good thing. Never have, really. Fun to watch at times, yes. As I get older, especially. And I've gotten clunked on the head a few times. It's not fun. I mean, people get seriously hurt from that. Those, each one of those punches has the ability to cause irreparable harm. Why would you want to do that in the name of a game? Well, a particular caller called in and he said, well, I think the fighting needs to stay. He says, I think it's in the fabric of the game, this toughness, this, this, this highest level of competitiveness that you're willing to punch somebody in the face for. I would call it pretty extreme, actually. I mean, after all, it's really just a game, but I'm not the biggest sports guy either. So why do I bring all this up, you might say? Well, there was an interesting write-up in PJ Media talking about one of my favorite commentators, which would be Dennis Prager, who happens to be Jewish if you're keeping tally on these things. Um, Dennis Prager, although the tempo of his talk is hard for me to, to stay, there's always something with the, you know who you're listening. You either like him or you don't. You know, If you don't like a deep, manly voice, right, you're not like listening to me. If you like that polished NPR, which I think is, is more popular than, than not, quite frankly. I don't know. But either way, if, you, if that's what you'd like to listen to, you're not going to like listening to me. And so Dennis Prager, anyway, my point about this is just a minor criticism. I don't like it. He talks too slow for me. I would like it sped up a little. Dan Bongino, he talks too fast for me. And uh, that would be a function of normally I, would, I do like listening to Bongino. I say he's one of the greatest broadcasters. Um, but... Uh, I usually listen to podcasts when I'm going to bed at night. And so I don't want to, I, I can't deal with that, you know, rah, rah, rah of, of Dan Bongino. But that's not really, a, you know, that's not a, that's not criticizing him. It's not him, it's me. <laughs> not really, but whatever. I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be critical of what they do. I think they're great, is my point. Dennis Prager included, one of the great minds, uh, not only a great orator, but, uh, for, you know, for me, what I appreciate most about Dennis Prager is, is his intellect and what he has to say. And they had this write-up in PJ Media. He said the title is The Question the question, Fools Don't Ask. Now, as soon as I saw this, I said, well, why? I've said this before. I was just talking about it actually earlier today. I'm talking to a friend of mine. I said, yeah, you know, I, I try to understand where people are coming from, even if I don't agree with them. Because sometimes even something I don't agree with, I, I will necessarily respect. Can you imagine that? In fact, a lot of things like that. I said, eh, it's not me, but... You know, hey, I respect your position on that. So, I don't know. You know, uh, most people don't think that way these days. But my question would be why? You know, the one question that people don't don't ask, the question that fools don't ask. Dennis Prager, so I say why. Uh, but I was a little unsure. I was just trying to, you know, guess. Anyway, Dennis Prager, he said, the, the question is, what is 
the price. You could say, what is the impact? What are the consequences? All these things should be factored into decision-making, you would think, especially in government. Now, Dennis Prager is talking about this here in the context of COVID and the shutdowns and the masks. And you say, hey, the people that argued for these, it is necessary, but blah, 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 blah. He says, well, what is the price? You, know, you don't sacrifice two lives to save one. That would be ridiculous. And then there's a natural order to things, right? So if you're on the airplane and the oxygen masks drop, who do you put it on? Do you put the babies on first or do you put yours on first? Always put yours on first. Why? So that you're in the best position to help the baby, right? Yeah, like my mother would say, you don't help the poor by becoming one of them, right? So it's very simple. So what is the price, Dennis Prager says? What was the price of these shutdowns? Nobody's asking. Well, we're going to start to ask that question, and I'll go through it a little bit more today as we get into some of these stories. So the Democrats have lost the midterms. Uh, they have a funny way of putting it, and, you know, it wasn't as sweeping as Republicans wanted and, and this and that and da 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 Well, that was the pushback from the Republican establishment that says, hey, uh, we're a voice here, too. And I don't know, you know, maybe Trump should have done more to not to alienate that crowd because, you know, you might say, well, we don't agree with those establishment Republicans. And I don't. Uh, I told my buddy Stan for here in our county, I went and looked into it. I was going to run. I said, I can't work with those people. It's exactly what I said to him. Bunch of lying, thieving uh, pigs. I don't know how to put it any other way. Listen, I witnessed firsthand. I told you the story. The stinking county Republican chair, when the sound system's not working, they're voting on, uh, this is for organizational meeting for within the party leadership. It's not even an election. They sat there and stole it right in front of us. I was uh, livid, spitting mad. They go in there, and the, and the speakers, the, 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 so each of the candidates is going to talk. You have the incumbent that wants to stay. And each of the candidates is going to get, you know, a fixed amount of time to talk and make their case for them to become the new leadership. Well, the sound system didn't work in a room full of 500 people or whatever it was that you couldn't you couldn't hear the speakers. Well, then suddenly and and there was a problem with the ballots. Misprinted. And now they're giving confusing instructions. I saw it for you. Are you going to tell me all this stuff is an accident? Same thing in Maricopa County. Just that oh, happens that the, the machines in the Republican areas, and eh, it just, yeah, this happens. Not all the machines, not a glitch affecting all the machines everywhere. Nope. Just, and people believe this stuff. The same way that some people believe that the earth was flat and still do. Right? And they're still trying to lick their elbow. And, and, and we got to live with them. Some of them are even in Congress. So now the Democrats lose the election handedly, handedly, you know, Trump basically doing it on his own. And uh, I almost, you know, I think Trump needs to run. I'm actually changing my mind about it, not because of him, but because of the strategy. Some people say, oh, he's just going to destroy the Republican Party. Good, good. Let the Democrats have all. I've said this a while ago. Just the way the momentum is going and the money, just give all the power to the Democrats and stop this obstructionist government. Just the Republicans really need to just step back and say, you know what? You're in charge. You just run everything for the next few years. It's hilarious. You know, in my town here, Democrat-controlled, liberal loony land, they didn't raise taxes this year. It's hilarious. I'm going to give you more. 
you just if you just let go of the rope, I think you'd get a, get a different uh, benefit out of government than this constant arguing. Why? Because they thrive on it. And so here we are with one month left, and we'll see what the Democrats are going to do. Not a lot, but they'll do something. The first thing is going to be the budget. How is it that with all these intermittent, you know, right? They passed this infrastructure bill. I haven't seen any infrastructure. I'll tell you what's going on with the grants, right? Here's what you can see. When you see that the the grants are given out on a competitive basis, as a taxpayer, how would you respond to that? You'd probably say, oh, oh, good. Okay, yeah, it should be competitive, right? You should just give this money out. It should be be competitive. Who needs it most, right? Well, that's not what's happening. (laughs) Silly. What did you think competitive meant? Competitive like a an election where you'd count the ballots on this side and count the ballots on this side and there'd be a clear, easily distinguished winner? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Certainly not with grants. When you see competitive grant process, what that really means is politicized. What does that mean? That means it's going where it's most beneficial to the politician not the people they represent, maybe the party in some cases. The, uh, the, the, the government has shot all this money out there. Weekly, we hear more money going to Ukraine. Where do you hear to where some of this is going? Nine billion in COVID-related funding. Nine billion dollars for COVID-related funding. They didn't say what it is specifically. Why doesn't Pfizer pay for it? Why doesn't Pfizer provide the COVID-related funding at this point. $20 billion for general disaster relief. $37 billion in military and economic aid to Ukraine. Wow. Amazing. All three would likely come under fire in a GOP-controlled house. Well, the GOP isn't going to put a stop to the Ukraine spending. GOP promises oversight and transparency while still cutting checks to Ukraine. This is from the Political Insider. If anyone believed that the Republican Party would slow down monetary and military support for Ukraine, I hate to break it to you, but they are still very much the same war hawks that they were before the recent midterms. And that is the truth. Now, this will be even more of a fight with Trump. All this money flowing over there, all the people that are benefiting from it, they're all going to be fighting against Trump. You watch. How much does it cost? Why don't we get a flat tab to Dennis Prager's question? How much does it cost? Right? How much is this war in Ukraine costing Americans at this point? What's the total? They don't even speak it. You won't even, they won't even answer that question. You have to go find out yourself. Go find out yourself. I don't know why the sound system's not working. You figure it out. That's literally what they did. The House on Wednesday, listen to this, voted to block a strike by the nation's railway workers. So if you want to look at what Democrats are doing on their way out the door, it certainly isn't going to pay the rail workers, the union rail workers. Now, let me ask you something. For those of you listening, I'd be thrilled to hear your feedback. Which side of this are you on, this rail strike? Do you think that those rail workers should get paid or not? Well, I don't have the best inside track on the rail workers. If you have worked on the rail line or you know somebody that has or does, uh, you may have a little better information than me. But I can speak uh, collectively about this. And I would say to you that there are some contract adjustments that are badly needed, badly needed. And this is, was a missed opportunity in the midterms 
I said it then. I'm going to say it now. You watch. The funny thing about this to me is that the party of labor, the party that's supposed to be labor, the party that's supposed to be blue collar, the party that's supposed to be the little guy is just sticking it to these union rail workers. Sticking it to them. Now, there's a point in here they said they made a change. One of the, um, uh, and I think part of the issue here is that the uh, politicians, the Democrats in this case, feel that I think they offered this, the union, well, I think it's 20%. Uh, but I didn't get to, to how what how much time that so everything being reported is you know half half the information. They're saying twenty percent raise, but they're not going to get twenty percent tomorrow. It's going to be spread out over the term of the contract, which is typically at least four years, at minimum of three. At three years, at six percent, six and change. At a four-year contract, which is more standard now, it's five percent a year. That's like half of the current level of inflation. They've got two years of 5% inflation before they're even even on the pay. Nobody's looking at this. And let me tell you, I said it in the, before the midterms. I'm saying it now. The rank and file across the board is not happy. Not the cops, not the rail workers, not the public worker unions, and not even the teachers. Everybody wants to blame the teachers. The teachers don't agree with what's going on. They're stuck in the middle of this crazy nonsense with a political class that is so out of touch it's unreal on all the issues, including this one. So I think that the Democrats said, oh, those ungrateful pigs, we've just laid out a sweet as, any, sweet as pie offer. I haven't gotten 20% raise. <laughs> yeah, I hear it all the time, the people that have no clue what they're talking about. These government workers don't do anything. Was well, that right? Really? Now, there's some, but I'm going to guess that there's some in your business, too. Am I right? People don't know. I, if, if, they have, if, if, if you've never worked as a cop, then there's really not much of a conversation to be had, right? A cop knows what it's like to be a civilian. You don't know what it's like to be a cop. You don't know what it's like to be working every Christmas Eve. You know, and you say, well, they get four weeks vacation. Yes, they do. Some cases more. Yeah, you, you trade that for every holiday. Every, police forces around here, all over the place, on mandatory overtime. Yeah, cancel the vacation. That's what happens. You think that's a great way to live? You don't think that the deserves to be paid a bit of a premium? They're supposed to run around and do this stuff for free? And you say, well, it didn't always used to be this way with the, the public sector pay. Right, and neither were the demands that were put on them. They used to be called peace officers. They walked around with a stick. You got a line, they give you a whack with the stick. That was the end of it. Now they're going to be, they have to worry about getting on TV. They got to worry about their name being in the paper, being suspended. If not worse, they could end up going to jail just for doing their jobs. Really amazing, right? Now, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't changes needed and there aren't problems within the public sector unions. I've been vocal about that, starting with they need to stop making political contributions. And here's a good reason why. From, and this is another thing that the rank and file is upset. What was the Janus case, right? They, they put the law, they changed the Supreme Court said you cannot force people to pay dues. It's a violation. None that is going towards their political action nonsense, which is all of it. They say to you, no, we need the union dues to, to negotiate the contracts. Why doesn't the union pony up in this case? You ought to send me in to negotiate this thing. I'd be like, you know what? You're going to pay more. The freight haulers are going to pay more. And the union office is going to take a haircut on this, too, because you've been doing a crappy job. And that's a fact. It, 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 so then here's the other thing in here. It says in here that they, the railroad, one of the, the 
the big things that they were contesting is that they only had one sick day per year. And now Congress basically made it, if it passes the Senate, it'll be illegal for them to strike and the pay is going to be set. And I think it's going to be the 20%, presumably over four years, although good luck finding that information. I'm sure you could dig around and find it. Uh, but you won't find it reported by any of the, the so-called news outlets because there's no news to be had in what they call the news. So they say, wow, the poor railroad, and they've been really pushing this. Really, one sick day. one, And, and now Congress made it seven. Uh, seven sick days, I'm trying to think. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I have to believe, and here's my question in this, uh, how much time off do they get? On top of that, because if you're telling me that they get five weeks of vacation and one sick day, I feel a whole lot differently about it than if they get one week's vacation and one sick day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and here's this is another big issue. I'll just lay this on you. I won't get too deep into it. This issue of the sick time and these union contracts is nothing but a bone of one of many bones of contention. All right. The, the union kind will say, well, you get two weeks vacation and three personal days and one floating holiday and two sick days. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, that's a lot. Nice. All right. Good. Well, then you realize, you're like, well, I got to I got to I'm going to be in late. I got to take my kid to to the doctor. Oh, oh, well, you didn't put in vacation. Well, I got to take a personal. Well, you're out of personal time. Oh, all right. Well, I'll take a sick day then. You just said you're taking your, your son to the doctor. If you look under the rules, that does, some of it does count, by the way. But you say that doesn't count. So listen, why isn't it all just paid time off? <clears throat> and then some of these contracts are, are heavy on the sick time. Well, that creates a different problem, especially like in teacher contracts, police contracts, and lo and behold, rail contracts. You know, you need these people to show up every single day. You know, the train doesn't run without the people there to do it. I don't know if you know this. You know, so you say, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts has a sniffle. I'm going to stay home. I'm sick. Okay. Well, now, you know, this whole rail line is shut down because we want the people to step. We can't have that going on. It leads to these, um, it gives the union a lot of flexibility. But they can do these, these sick outs. You know, they all call in. There's really nothing you can do to defend it. And it's a crappy way for the union because it's the, the employer, no, you can use it for sick. But you've been, you know, they all have uh, abusive sick time clauses as well. So you use the benefit that you're supposed to have, and you run the risk of getting disciplined for it. It's horrible. Why doesn't it all just go to paid time off? And then you say, look, you're a rail worker. You're limited to one call out a year. All right? If you become sick enough that you cannot come to work, we'll give you one time a year. That the, but other than that, if you don't have a doctor's note, then you need to be here. That's the job that you're signing up for. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Right, if you're a doctor, a surgeon, this you know, certain th- jobs have certain demands, and if you're going to be a rail worker, one of them is you need to show up. I don't know. Bottom line is, uh, the 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 elbow licking Democrats are going to so screw this up, and the Republicans are nowhere to be found. They had an opportunity to grab the union vote; should have. You know what a statement it would have said if they could have grabbed the rank and file vote. Huge. Huge, but nobody cares what you have to say. Nobody cares what you think. Nobody. The government, uh, Google, and YouTube are spending millions to launch a global ch- fact check fund. How much does it cost? Well, about thirteen point two million dollars. Going to the uh, P O Y N T R Pointier Institute. Is that how you say that? 
Pointer? I don't know. What goofy names. Pointer Institute's International Fact Checking. Oh, that sounds like a reputable organization. $13.2 million. Wow. What are they going to do with that money? They're probably going to build like a new library or something over there. They'll call it the Google or the, or the, the uh, I don't know, who's somebody famous at Google. Meanwhile, the Biden admin says they're keeping an eye on Elon Musk's Twitter. This is funny how this gets reported. This is American military news. So the right-wing leaning headline, oh, yeah, Biden is, he says it keeping an eye on the government, keeping their thumb on you, going to keep an eye on you. Big brother watching over. If you look at the context of it, they were just like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to wait and see what happens is really what they were trying to say. And I'm not trying to give one the t- a point to Team Biden on this, or certainly not this uh, Jean-Claude troll. This is, this is a joke, I believe. I really do believe this. I, I've come to realize that the, uh, the, the, the art of instigation is something that the political class knows very well. And I think they really do. I think, you know what, let's get them riled up. Go get a, go get a black woman and put her up. That's going to piss off a bunch of those white. Tell you what, go find a gay black woman. Yeah. Go, find, yeah, go get her up here. And just by the nature that she's black and gay, a lot of those whitey Republicans will just be angry and won't even listen to what she has to say, which is beautiful. Beautiful. Biden's not saying anything. She doesn't say anything coherent. And meanwhile, the rest of the Democrats are sitting there licking their elbows. Watching Elon Musk's Twitter. Here's a little uh, story for you. A gay Huffington Post contributor arrested for making threats against the gay club. I've said this to you before. Everybody's like, oh, look at the nice gay guy. I'm like, yeah, they're not all nice. (laughs) Some of them are mentally ill. I don't know how many, probably about at least as many as the the regular population. Wouldn't you say? Tell me I'm wrong on that. So, you know, you got uh, mentally ill, gay, and everybody says, oh, gay must be nice, and you're supposed to treat him special. And then they're going to say that the reason you're, you know, he stole your wallet, but the reason, the real reason that you're treating him poorly is because he's gay and just stirring up all these trouble, all this trouble, right? And I've said it, this happens, but you never see it reported. Uh, some kind of weird picture. This dude's weird looking, man. Um, he's a contributor to Huffington Post, but there's another uh, uh, elbow liquor magazine or, or, or blog or whatever. Unreal. Where's she from, Ariana Huffington? Oh, good God. She's from, like, Sweden or Denmark. or No no offense to Sweden or Denmark. Where's she from? Britain, I think. I don't know. She's just another one of those Europeans that have, have infiltrated us. And maybe that's the ticket. Everybody's like, oh, the, the, you know, with the anti-Semitism. I'm like, oh, boy. Maybe it's just the European connection that's killing us. Maybe that's the real, the real root of this. The school's over there. They just Socialism's taking route. Pennsylvania County that ran out of paper ballots fails to certify the election. In our county here, it was a two-to-one two vote. One, the one Republican voted not to certify the vote. You have this county. I don't know if there's others. This election nonsense cannot stand. It's sad to me. It really is. It's sad to me what we've exposed. I, don't, I honestly don't know if I believe... Any election ever held in this country, quite frankly, from what I've seen. I just, it's totally corrupt. I have to be honest with you. It's its affecting my view of this country as a whole. 
It's really hard to believe or support anything when you understand the lie that we call our elections when we were supposed to be a beacon for democracy and a republic grounded in just laws. And instead, we destroy ourselves. I saw a, a, a report today that another busload of migrants coming to Philadelphia. And, you know, we've cheered this on, Abbott and them down there sending. And I understand why they're doing it. But this bus was 10 miles from my house. And I watched as these people got off the bus and they were welcomed and they're going to receive aid and help and all this. And I think to myself, you know, here's my son uh, training for the Air Force fleet, whatever you call the, the, the main duty in the Air Force. And, um, you know, potentially <clears throat> finding himself in harm's way. I served for this country, fought for this country. My mother, my father. And it's not that we have some uh, spectacular lineage of military service, because we don't. But we did, we did our part. And we did our part because we believed in this country. We believed in what it stood for. We believed in protecting the people that couldn't protect themselves. And we, we believed in standing up for the little person. And we were willing to lay down our lives for that. That's how strongly we believed in it. That was our commitment. And as I stand back and I see these busloads coming in, our country is just being given away. It's the, the people on that bus now own the country. Not today. Not today. But the seeds are being planted. There's a saying, maybe you heard it, it says, ye shall reap what you sow. I feel like I said this the other day. Bear with me if I'm repeating myself. Ye shall reap what you sow. What are the seeds that we're planting with this mayhem? It's crazy. I don't care what you want to tell me where it makes any sense on the planet that makes none. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there in the meantime. Make it a great day.